We're continuing this morning in our Witnesses of Christmas series, looking back to really what was the first reading for Advent, Isaiah chapter 60s, to see there what the Lord says to us of Christ. We have heard from many witnesses over the last two years. We've heard from Mary and from Joseph and from shepherds and wise men, and last week from the Father himself. What does he want us to see and to know about his son but what of the son's testimony what do we see here what does the one who is the word tell us about himself through his word what does he announce to us especially here in isaiah i've shared some of this story with you before my 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 first son was born after a long day it was 24 plus hours of labor i've told you that story i told you the story of how sarah's epidural tube came undone and she was in full-blown labor thinking that she had medicine and she didn't and i was the dumb husband who told her oh baby it's just pressure you don't feel anything i'm still living that one down uh and then i told you that in that in that moment when joseph was born just that that pride of your you know, that firstborn child, and you're so excited, and you know, immediately he relieved himself all over me, you know, but that was okay, and then I told you that when I went back out to show my family, and we took him in the room, and we undressed Joe to get him his shots, he did it right in front of all of them too, right? So I could tell you a lot more about that day, but one other thing I will tell you was, even with Joseph doing that, and all the craziness of Sarah being in stress, and Joseph being in stress, and being raced in for an emergency section, and just coming out of that, I still had that privilege of being able to walk from the, from the operating room, being able to walk out, and to show my whole family who had gathered there on Christmas Eve, uh, to see the arrival of the grandchild, not knowing was was. Was the baby going to be a boy? Was the baby going to be a girl? But it was my privilege, my right to walk out and to say that. So as we came out, I held Joseph up, and the nurse said, he's doing fine. (sighs) Really? No, I didn't say really. The Lord caught my tongue there. But I made sure with Seth and with Kate. Nurses, don't say a word. I'd like to announce this, right? Jesus doesn't get to say a word. As we, as we hear in the hymn, we just heard it played, mild he lay his glory by. Philippians says it this way, he emptied himself, taking the very form of a servant, going on later to say he humbled himself. Philip Yancey would say that Jesus was in the shocking constraints of humanity as a baby. In his birth, he communicates everything that God so loved us so much, that he loved us so much that he would come in that kind of humility. But what does that birth again say? Looking back to Isaiah 20, what does it remind us about Jesus? Some of this we heard last week with the Father in John's Gospel. We're reminded again that Jesus was fully obedient and that Jesus was a promise keeper. You can't not look at that again because here it is. After all these promises, you see again that Jesus delivers on this promise. These people are in darkness. We'll talk about that in a second. But these people are in darkness, but the Lord's light, the Lord himself, shone, arose upon them. That had been promised for hundreds of years. I love what Sarah's favorite Christian writer, Michael Card, says about that. For a thousand years, the dreamers dreamt and hoped to see his love. 
But the promise, meaning Jesus, showed that their wildest dreams had simply not been wild enough. For the promise was love, and the promise was life, and the promise gave light to the world. Living proof, Jehovah says, for the name of the promise was Jesus. What more could God have given? Tell me, what more did he have to give? The name of the promise was Jesus. Isaiah is testifying by the leading of the Holy Spirit that, that one will come, the Lord himself, every I dotted, every T crossed, every promise kept. And we also see here Jesus' obedience to do that for us. Whatever has been shared and prophesied, Jesus does. Now we can skip back a chapter or two and understand really what is the heart of this passage and the reminder to us. And really the best news at Christmas, even though it's uneasy news, you go back to Isaiah 50. And you go back to Isaiah 43. And in those passages, we understand a lot more about why he came. That he would give himself for us. The darkness that they were in, they would have probably heard it. Got it. We're being oppressed. You and I, with years uh, away from the reality and the suffering that they had, understand that the darkness was darker than that. Uh, Isaiah 50 and 53 remind us he came for us because we were in darkness, that we had stepped away, because we had rebelled, because we were in sin, and he took those sins on his shoulder. All of that, understanding that's what the darkness was, they might not have got it in their suffering or their self-righteousness, but seeing all that needed to be done, Jesus still willfully said, yes, I saw some terrible YouTube clips of people jumping into water in terrible ways and belly flops this past week, and it made me think about when I was in student ministry, I took my students up to the White River in Arkansas, the 11 Point River up there too, and we were, we were rafting down that, spent the night on the river, but there's actually was a cliff jump there, and my, my tour guide said, oh yeah, y'all can jump off of this thing. Now, it didn't look that high, and I thought, yeah, we'll just do it. If everybody else does this, we'll do it. But thinking to myself, I need to take the first step because I need to take the first jump until, so I can make sure it's good for all the students. And I got to the edge of that cliff, that wasn't such a short jump anymore. Uh, when I got to the edge of that 40, it was like 35, 40 feet in the air. And I, I just grinned and bared it and stepped off and had a, had a nice little jump there. Uh, but I can tell you, I, I, was, I was rather nervous jumping off that cliff. A couple of years later, I was leading, and I bumped into the, the person who led this trip just two weeks ago here in town. He was in town. In a past church, we did a men's rafting trip and did the Chattooga River. I don't know if you've ever whitewatered uh, that river, but one particular year we went with our men's, uh, men's ministry from that church. The river was really low, and it was low enough that there's a certain boulder that you could get on this rock, and it was hollowed out, and you could get into that rock when the river was at this low level. And the, tour, and the guide, the river guide said, see that little water hole right there? Don't step in that. That's actually a tunnel and it leads out into the rapid. And so if any of you guys want to do this, you just dive into that hole, and it'll lead you through a water tunnel, and you'll come out in the rapid. Well, a couple of guys said, let's do it. So as the preacher guy, what did I feel responsibility for? Well, i got to check this thing out first. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I dive right in. 
Now, being uncoordinated, of course, I didn't drive in correctly, and I hit my head on the top of that thing, which backed me up, which meant I had a lot less air. And so I was kicking and, and, and pushing, like, frenetically under the water. Nobody saw this. I came out, and I looked cool. But I was scared to death as I went through the tunnel, but I felt like I, I had to go first. Isaiah 20 is saying to us, he did not flinch. This is a promise set in stone and in his word that he would go first. He would go before us because we needed his light because we were in darkness. Praise God for the obedience and the love and the promises of his son. I like how, how the, the poet R.S. Thomas in his poem, The Coming, says that. And again, that's what Advent means, to arrive or to come. And in that poem, R.S. Thomas captures this correctly, the heart of Jesus, when he said, And God held in his hand a small globe. Look, he said, the sun looked. Far off, as through water, he saw a scorched land, a fierce color. The light burned there. Crusted buildings cast their shadows, a bright serpent. A river uncoiled itself, radiant with slime. On a bare hill, on a bare tree, sat in the sky. Many people held out their thin arms to it, as though waiting for a vanished April to return. The sun watched them. Let me go there, he said. And that's the heart of our Savior. Seeing the darkness, and the Lord will arise upon them. Let me go there. It's a beautiful picture again of his great love for us. Us, we who were in darkness, or as Isaiah uh, would, would pick up, and again I'm going to read from the, uh, the message. It's, it's, it's a good paraphrase, and it's a, I think a faithful paraphrase of the original Greek. But again, it is a paraphrase. But Eugene Peterson translates those verses, those difficult verses in Isaiah 53, this way for us. Understanding what Jesus knew he was walking into. The servant grew up before God. A scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him. Nothing to cause us to take a second look. He looked down. He was, he was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed we're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done on him, on him. It's a reminder to us as we sing so many times in that hymn, Good Christian Men Rejoice, Christ was born for this and that Christ was born to save. Isaiah reminds us again, Yes, we were in darkness, but we have a Lord who would step out of glory and step out of heaven, fully obedient, fully a promise keeper to gift that to us. And so there's words there then for how is it that you and I can respond to that great gift. We said last week, well, that, that ought to change 
my word and how I keep my word. And we said last week that should radically change my obedience and how I obey because he obeyed even to the point of death for me. But, but in this Christmas season, in an Advent, just looking across the other witnesses of Scripture, what's their response? When the one who was pro- promised in Isaiah 60 arrives, what do we see through their lives? And there's, there's two common themes, two common responses. Even though there's more than that, two that you see. As you go through uh, Matthew's reading, Joseph and the wise men, uh, you certainly see the wise men fall down and worship. Worship is a consistent response. You go through Luke's gospel, and you, as we read this morning from Mary's word in the Magnificat in, in Luke's gospel, you hear her worshiping the Lord for what he has done. The angels in Luke 2 praise God. The shepherds in Luke 2, can't, they just keep glorifying God and praising him. Even Simeon, later in Luke, after the baby's being presented, uh, takes, we think, uh, 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 Jesus in his arms and says he is salvation and he is light. And the scripture says he blessed God. Worship is the biblical and right response of most of the witnesses of the Christmas story. But it's not just, it's not just worship. As critical as that is and cannot be missed. But there's life change too. Joseph had in his mind to do something else. He got a word from the Lord and he changed. The wise men had a mind to do something else. They got a word from the Lord and they changed the way they left. You just look at person, even Simeon takes this child in his arm. We think, we're going to look at his life next week. Can you imagine this? Takes the baby in his arms and if you read that well, most biblical scholars say that's a it's written in the form of a hymn that there you are at the temple. You've got this child in the bustling and the busyness of everybody at the temple and you're going to pick this child up and sing here's what he's saying no it's christmas i won't do that to you but anyway a change the shepherds change life change and witness after witness after witness one cannot stand still and one can never be the same again if we have taken in the Christ child. If his light has come upon us, things can never be the same. Our culture will tell us that. Our culture will say, uh, we can kind of be lukewarm. We can kind of be wishy-washy when it comes to Jesus. Take parts of what he said, but not the other parts of what he said. Yes, apply this, but you don't have to necessarily listen to that. And you look at everyone in the Christmas story, and then you just watch the biblical record. Everybody either wonderfully responds to Jesus or they reject him that's the pattern whether it's the prodigal son responding back or the older son rejecting whether it's Peter or it's Judas whether it's the woman at the well or it's the rich young ruler nobody bumps into Jesus and is indifferent it's yes or it's no it's worship and change or it's stay the same and self-glory That's what we see throughout the scriptures. You either bow or you do not bow. You either change or you do not change. Uh, Years ago, I think it was 98, I was blessed to be able to go over to the Holy Land and to see the spot, and we don't know that, but this is where they believe that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And and that that was a nice moment to see that and wonder if this this was it. Uh, But one of the other things that I took away from that, the church was built there, they think the 4th century, they built a church over a lot of the holy sites in Israel. And so that church was built in the 4th century, but soon after that, um, 
uh, they knew that that area was going to be overrun uh, with people of another faith. And so they knew they were going to lose that church and lose that whole area. And so the church traditionalists, the church history folks tell us, I don't know if this is true, but it'll preach, so I'm going to share it. But the church history folks tell us they changed the door. And it's still there. The door entrance is about this high. Now, why would they do that? I mean, they know they're going to get in. This is not a good defensive technique. Oh, no, you're going to have to duck. That'll hold them out for a good quarter of a second. Why would you put the door, this wonderful, magnificent church with this glorious door and all this, why would you put the door here? What a nuisance. Because everyone who comes to the place where Christ visited us is going to bow when they come into this place. You can't come to Christ and not bow. And you just see that through every, every witness of, 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 of Christmas and Advent. You see that response of worship after worship after worship, life change after life change after life change. You cannot be indifferent with Jesus. Even modern-day rock star Bono in a recent interview said this, the secular response to Christ always goes like this. He was a great prophet, had a lot to say along the lines of other great prophets, Elijah, Muhammad, Buddhist, uh, Buddha, Con Confucius. But actually, Christ doesn't allow you to do that. He doesn't let you off the hook. Christ says, no, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a teacher. Don't call me a teacher. I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm saying I'm the Messiah. I'm saying I'm God incarnate. And people say, no, 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 please just be a prophet. A prophet we can take, but do not mention the Messiah word. The Gospels, Isaiah, the scriptures put us on the hook. When we bump into Bethlehem, we either have to bow or, or not. We have to change or not. There's no indifference with Christ. And the good news of Christmas is the Messiah will meet us in that. His very name means God with us. When you and I whether it's for the first time in need of a Savior, said, yes, Lord, I sense and I know the darkness in me. Would you come? You came to save me from that. Do that. Or when you and I have, are looking over our lives and saying, you know, I've really not been what he's called me to be here or in this part of my life or in this part of my life. And more importantly, it's not my life, it's his life. How can I, I, I've just not been as faithful. He comes and he meets us there. Christ will come to save. He was born for this. We can't miss that. Preachers have probably shared this story, but I love the story of a little boy way back in the day, decades ago, when going to the circus was the big deal. Does anybody remember that? When the circus was come to town, and that was such a huge event to be able to see that, and this little boy had saved up a dollar. A dollar back in that day, I think, was worth 4000 something. Anyway, it was worth a lot of money. Saved up a dollar to be able to go into town and to be able to go to the circus. This boy just exciting, excitingly gets into town that day early. And as he's walking down Main Street, all of a sudden he hears this noise and he looks down Main Street. And he sees clowns. He's like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, here come the clowns and they come walking by. And then they bring an elephant, but the elephant trainer comes walking by. And act after act, I don't know if they brought out the bearded lady or if they brought whatever, but there's like five, ten different acts from the circus that came walking by, paraded down Main Street. 
And when the last act had come by, it ended up being more clowns. The little boy just overwhelmed, handed that clown a dollar. And the clown took it, and the, and, and, the, and the circus folks went away. Where did they go away to? The circus. It was a promotional parade. <laughs> this kid had thought... <laughs> This kid had thought he had seen the real thing, but what he had seen was simply promotions. The boy had seen not the circus, but the promotional parade. Look, there's so many things of these recent weeks, whether it's Christmas songs, uh, family traditions, seeing the lights, certain programs. They're wonderful, wonderful things. Isaiah reminds the church, as Linda prayed this morning, here's the main thing. Don't miss this. You miss this, you miss Christmas. Christ was born to save. God loved you so much, he gave you his only son. Our response to that then, our response can only be worship. And Lord, I can't be the same. Where do you want to direct me? Where do you want to turn me? How do you want to use me? How can I speak of your glory? Let's pray about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good word. Uh, a word said to a people who were in darkness and who needed a good word from you. But we confess this morning, as we have already done in our prayers, uh, that we need you for our salvation. We recognize and acknowledge our own uh, lostness. And so we just praise you. We thank you this morning for sending your very son for us, that he might be our light, that he might make us clean. Father, if we need to respond to that good news for the first time, I pray we would do that this morning, to say yes to your son Jesus and allow him to enter in, which has been his desire. But Father, as well, as we look over our lives, we just pray that we would be quick and constant to give you the glory, to worship you, to bow down before you and your son Jesus for what he has done for us and won for us, that he did not flinch when he was at the edge of the cliff but stepped out of glory for us. And not only bless our worship, but Holy Spirit, where, where do we, like Joseph and the wise men and Simeon, how do you want to change us because of this great news? How do you want to turn our lives out into a testimony to our friends or to our family? How is it you want, to, you want to change what you're doing through our witness or through our work or through our family? We want to be open to that, Lord. Holy Spirit, help us to see those places, to see those changes. May we be faithful as Christ was faithful. And it is in his holy and precious name we pray this prayer. Amen.